Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight we'll be studying number 29 of Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And uh, in our last study we saw how God even uses the Greek alphabet to teach spiritual truth. As the words we have, Alpha, it's spelled out, and Omega, are actually an English translation of the Greek letters. And in the Greek text, it's only the letter Alpha and the letter Omega. And God has made known to us that the Greek alphabet has 24 letters. Now, we can know this, yes, by Greek scholars, and they uh, would tell us this, but we can check it out for ourselves in the Strong's Concordance, which records every word, and therefore every letter, in the Greek New Testament. And all you have to do is go to the back of the Strong's Concordance, and you'll find the Greek Dictionary, that lists all of the words found in our King James New Testament or in our Bible. And there you'll find in alphabetical order 24 letters. That is, after each letter, say Alpha, you'll find all the words in the Greek New Testament that begin with the letter Alpha. And then go to the next letter, Beta, And you'll find all the letters that are in the Greek New Testament that begin with that letter. And and you can uh, go through the entire Greek alphabet and you'll find only 24 letters and words that have that letter as its first letter. And, And so every letter of the Greek alphabet is represented in the New Testament. So we're not going outside the Bible at all. We're staying in the Bible, and God has given us enough information to know that Alpha is to be the first Greek letter, and Omega is to be the last Greek letter, and there are 24 Greek letters. Now, what the order of the other 22 doesn't matter so much, because God is the one who's giving us the first one and the last one, and we can count, and we know that after Alpha, if we begin counting with Beta, that's one, and then we continue until the end of the alphabet, till we come to Omega, that would be the 23rd letter after Alpha. And uh, that would be the significant point that I think God is making besides just stating that he is the last, he is the ending, and, and by saying he is Omega, he is reiterating that. And emphasizing that point, that it is the last letter. But spiritually, it is the 23rd letter after Alpha, and the number 23 does carry spiritual meaning. For instance, from creation in 11,013 B.C., we travel 6,000 years plus 23 years for a total of 6,023 years, and then... God brought the flood that destroyed the first earth by water in 4990 B.C. 
And from the flood in 4990 B.C., we travel down the corridors of time 5,023 years, calendar years, and we come to the cross, which was another judgment. It was a demonstration of the judgment that the Lord Jesus Christ endured for the sake of his people. And that would be 5,023 calendar years from the flood. And you can add that up. Just add 4990, the Old Testament side, plus 33, as Jesus was crucified in 33 AD. And you get a total of 5,023. Now, I say calendar years because normally we minus one due to there being no year zero. And in actual years, it's 5,022. But God also permits us this additional method of calculation so that he can just give us more opportunities to, to discover spiritual things related to numbers. Now, just one, one other thing to mention. From creation until 1988 was 13,000 years. Then we add on 23 years and we come to the year 2011, which also happened to be 7,000 years from the flood. And it was in 2011 on May 21 that God brought judgment day on the world. Just like he brought the flood 6,023 years from creation and this judgment day that God brought on May 21, in 2011, well, it was the beginning of the end. It is the end of mankind. It's a prolonged period of judgment, just as the waters of the flood lasted and multiplied for uh, five months. They increased the waters all over the earth till they began to abate. And, and so after May 21, 2011, we are in the day of judgment. And so the number 23 points to judgment. And that's why Jesus is the first. He's the beginning. He is Alpha. And he is the last. He is the ending. He is Omega. That which comes 23 uh, letters after Alpha. Pointing to the fact that the end, which Christ is, is judgment day. It will be the judgment of God. Now, another thing we want to discuss a little bit is we saw verses, as it says here in Revelation 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And we looked at some verses that show how Christ is the beginning. For instance, we went to John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and and that is referring to Jesus because later it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, he was in the beginning and he is the creator. He is before all things and he has the preeminence above all things. That's also one of the reasons why he had to die before the foundation of the world in order to be the firstborn from the dead. He is the beginning. He is first. And he is Alpha. Well, we saw that, and and it would be good for us to just note that this means that Jesus knows everything 
possible about the beginning. There is no knowledge, no information that he lacks concerning the beginning of all things. Well, someone might say, of course not. He, he's eternal God. He's the creator. He, he is the one who began everything. Obviously, he knows everything regarding the beginning. And the Bible calls him the beginning. It's his name. Certainly, he knows everything possible about the beginning. And I don't think you'll find too many people who understand that Jesus is God. Of course, there's some that, that lack that understanding, and they also lack a Savior. But uh, you won't find too many who understand Jesus is God. They would argue that he is behind anything at all when it comes to knowledge regarding the beginning of things. Yes, definitely, Christ knows all about the beginning. Now, I'm just pointing this out because somehow, when it comes to Jesus being the ending, there there is a question that arises and people begin to doubt and wonder and think, well, Christ doesn't know everything about the ending. And uh, that just doesn't make any sense. It's not fitting with what we're reading here. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. So the Lord Jesus Christ is Alpha, the beginning, the first, it says in another place. He And he knows everything about that. But somehow, mysteriously, he, when it comes to the ending of things, well, he, he doesn't know some think, some theologians and churches and individuals think that the Lord Jesus lacks understanding. He, he, he doesn't know the day or hour. And there is a verse that says neither the sun, but we have to realize that is an impossibility for Christ to lack any bit of knowledge, the the slightest bit, regarding the end of all things. Why? Well, because, for one thing, it's his very name. And he is that ending. He is the last and the omega. And he knows full well about that as he does the beginning of things. He is eternal God who possesses all knowledge of all things at all times and even beyond time. He knows everything related to eternity past and to into eternity future. God inhabits eternity. And certainly he knows when this world will end, when this little speck of a creation, a little speck of time, that he created will conclude and when we will enter into the glorious eternal future that he has planned for us. God definitely knows that and he knows that May 21, 2011 was Judgment Day. He's the one that opened up that information in order to warn us and and he certainly knows the duration of the Day of Judgment, how long this day will last and it very well could be it'll be 1,600 days. And that also comes from the Bible. It comes from the Word of God. And Christ is that Word. 
He is the one who is in full and complete control of all that we know and all that we understand concerning the Bible. Well, I just wanted to mention that before we continue on here in our verse in verse 8. Again, it says, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, this is the second time already in our study of the book of Revelation that we've seen these statements, which is and which was and which is to come. Back in verse 4 of Revelation 1, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And we discussed this at that time, so we're not going to spend too much time on it now, except to say that once again, God is emphasizing his eternal nature, that he is an ever-living God, that he has always been, and he always will be, and he is right now. And of course, that's very important for us, and it it could be. That's the reason that God begins with that, that we would think the order would be which was, which is, and which will come. That's the order of time. But God begins in both of these verses, which is. And then he says in which was and which is to come. He wants us to know that right now at this second, this moment, this point in time. And of course, this this applied to the reader all through the many centuries of the New Testament age. And it applies to us at this moment because he is the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. That right now, this glorious, everlasting God exists. He is living. He is a very present help, the Bible says, in time of trouble. And we may go to him. Now, at this time, this day, and and this moment, seeking his help, seeking his comfort, seeking his strength, seeking whatever it is that we we need and and that we're lacking, we can go to God now, and God wants us to know that, and and that's how it will always be, forever and ever, as we live on. And we will not die if we're a true child of God. We have been granted eternal life. This relationship with God that we now enjoy, that we presently have, where he is there for us and available, and we can uh, go to the throne of his grace, and we can um, pour out our hearts before him, this relationship will now be an eternal relationship that will have no end. And this is uh, one of the glorious truths and facts that the Bible reveals that we now have a helper. We, we have a comforter. We have one, the, the one who is the, the great I am, the 
uh, Ego Ami, the one that Moses saw at the burning bush and asked, Who is it that I shall say has sent me? And the response was, I am that I am. That is my name. And he was a present help, a present God to Moses. And he was a present help to all of the people that we read about in the Bible. Because those people lived just like we're alive right now. And they also had opportunity to go to that same God that we have opportunity to turn to this day. And and so David turned to him. And all of the faithful kings, Hezekiah and Josiah, all of the faithful people like Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Obednego, they, they turned to him in a fiery furnace, or like Daniel in a lion's den. All of God's people in a present time of danger and of affliction and tribulation have had the wonderful blessing and privilege and the wonderful great hope of turning to a living God that was there for them at that moment, even though he transcends the moment. He is infinitely beyond our present moment and this point in time. He is a God that if if we could, if we could somehow look backward, and yes, we can look backward in the Bible through the biblical history, and he's always there from the very beginning. But even beyond, if we somehow could manage to see, which we can't very well due to our finite nature, but if we could look beyond this world and this creation, this whole universe that was created as God spoke the words, we would see a God that was, a God that was alive and had all the fullness of his being uh, for as far and as deep and as long that our minds could travel into the past. We would keep going and going and going, and there is God. I don't know how it is, and I'm sure you've wondered at this too. How can there be such a glorious and awesome being as God, how can there be uh, such uh, an eternal, um, majestic deity as the Bible reveals? And I don't know how we can't understand someone who has no beginning. And that's something God pointed out in, in Hebrews 7, just to make sure we understand that Jesus is the beginning uh, as far as the creation of this world, he's the one who started it, but he himself has no beginning. He is this God that we're reading of, the Alpha in the beginning, and and following this statement, uh, the Lord wants us to know which is and which was beyond the beginning point of this world. He is this eternal God the great Jehovah, the one all we can do is fall down on our knees and bow before because we're little, tiny, 
finite creatures. We, we are creatures of time and we're bound to this creation. All we know, everything we know, things begin and things conclude. They have an ending. And God is not like that. God is the one which was and always has been. And God is the one which shall be and always will be. He has no beginning and no ending himself. What a a mind-boggling thought that is. Just let your mind's eye wander backward or forward and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and we just naturally, and I use that word intentionally, we just naturally think, well, there must be a beginning point of God. Everything has a beginning and no, no, there is no beginning to God and he is this eternal being that inhabits the complete spectrum of existence beginning to end and present. And he lives. He lives. And we we don't understand him. We cannot comprehend him. He is beyond our ability. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts than the heavens are from the earth. And that's quite a long way. And I think that's also an understatement where this infinite, almighty God of the Bible is concerned. He, he is an everlasting God. And, and oh, how, how pitiful it is and, and how wretched we are that we have dared in our time and men still dare to think that, that they know more than God, that they are wiser than him, that their minds are the ones that uh, determine all things, that we're the ones in control, we're the ones in charge of things, of circumstances and events, we're the movers and doers. Oh, how insulting and, and how uh, just uh, pitiful it is when we think about it, that we dare... We human beings, creatures of time, and we are are like the flower of the grass, which today is and tomorrow cast into an oven, where our lives are like a vapor, which appear for a time and then vanish away. We're here for a few short days, and those days are are full of trouble. And we dare to uh, meddle in matters that are well beyond us and and to uh, develop things as the world has like evolution. Oh, we know. We know what happened in the beginning. We know how this world and universe came into existence. Yes, let us tell you about it. It was uh, several million years ago. Oh, no, let's change that. It was a few hundred million. No, well, actually, now we think it's a few billion. Yes, but we know. We know all these things. What foolishness. What utter and complete foolishness it is when men think to know things that are reserved for the Almighty, for the one and the only one who knows such things and was there. 
He is the one who tells us, and that's what the Bible does. God reveals how things begin. And, and, oh, we're, we're just so foolish of ourselves. If we're left to ourselves and blind and dumb, we lack understanding greatly. But we thank the Lord that He who is and which was and will be is our guide. And He is the one that is instructing us and leading us through the days of this life into the path of an eternal future.